for today's Gita Live session. The topic for the day is overcoming social media addiction. Social media has become a very, very integral part of our lives. Even if we want to, it is difficult to live without it. We all know there are many benefits and we also know that it has many, many bad effects. It can even lead to addictions. So today we are going to talk more about this subject and we will also share perspectives from the Gita why people are getting addicted to it. What is the root cause? And from the Gita, we'll also get some clue as to how we can handle these tools intelligently, effectively, without these tools harming us. So before we get into the discussion, let us all pray together. Please join me in offering the prayers. Let us all fold our hands together and please repeat the prayers after me as we display the prayers on the screen. <clears throat> Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Nitinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatadeshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratushe Namaha Namo Brahmane Devaya Go Brahmane Hitayacha Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindho Dinabandhu Jagadpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchan Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpaturubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavnebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare It's a very interesting and relevant topic more so in present times. We all know people in general spend inordinate amount of time in front of their smartphones, 
and these days there are many apps many social media platforms which if we get into eat up lot of our time now is it really bad to be on the social media to be on facebook to be on instagram is it wrong the answer is no it's not wrong it's something like asking is a knife bad depends on who is using and how he is using it if the knife is in the hand of a surgeon the same knife can save a life but the same knife in wrong hands can even take someone's life can kill someone so knife per se is not good or bad a lot depends on how we use it how intelligently or unintelligently we use that knife same is true with all social media platforms they have lot of benefits there's lot of advantages which we can get out of these social media platforms i'll just share few of them before we talk about addictions and things like that something on the negative side let us be judicious and also count on some of the good things which these platforms have done this reminds me of my college days this was in the year 1988 89 when i was doing my engineering those days the mode of communication was letters i still remember there was a postcard 15 paisa postcard and you would scribble something and you know put it in a post box there was a post box right next to our hostel and you post it in and then after 5 days 6 days or 7 days the postcard will reach the destination i used to write to my parents and uh, near india once it would reach after 4 5 days so if we have to communicate something the message will reach the other side after 5 or 6 days if you have traveled from your hometown to the college they have no clue whether you have reached safely and invariably we used to write some kind of letters or postcard and it will take 4 5 days till that time you can assume that yes the person has reached safely or the person is fine i remember in those days we used to for some urgent matters or some urgent news suppose some let's say there is a death in the family it has to be communicated there was something called as telegram these days you also have a telegram app but those days the telegram was you have to go to a post office and you have to write what you message you want to send each word each letter counts there is a some paisa associated with each letter so you have to be very judicious because the longer the sentence the longer the number of words more is the money involved so you are very judicious you will eat the words and you will draft the message and for each word for a small telegram with two or three sentences or four sentences in those days it would cost some 30 rupees 40 rupees or 50 rupees and uh, you'll go to the post office write the whole thing and then they will there'll be a person who will type it out and through that mechanism of telegraph the technology whatever it was the same message would be typed on the 
telegraph machine in the recipient town or the city and the postman would go and deliver the telegram on an urgent basis to the person whom you want to communicate to. So in best case scenario, you are able to transmit the message that to one or two sentences same day to the person but at a very very additional high cost. And then a revolution came, this was in the year 1990, somewhere around that time, STD, ISD started becoming very popular. First time we could speak to our near and dear ones, go to an STD booth and those days since the technology was new, for every second there was a pulse, 2 second pulse, 4 second pulse and for each pulse there was certain amount fixed and there was time zones in the morning before 6 am it was 4 second pulse, after 6 to 10 am it was 2 second pulse and after daytime regular business hours it was 1 second pulse, depend on the distance. I remember even if you speak for 2 minutes or 1 minute the bill would be as high as 50 rupees, 100 rupees. In those days when full semester we used to spend about 4,000, 5,000 rupees per month around 1,000 rupees. So I was talking about the benefits which social media platforms have given us, the contributions they have made in our lives. But yes, we also have some demerits. So today we are going to talk about it, some of the dangers which are associated with the use of social media platforms if we are not cautious, if we are not careful. As I mentioned, it's a double-edged sword, knife in the hand of a doctor, it can save life. The same knife in the hand of a terrorist can take someone's life, can kill someone. So what are the dangers? So here we have an example, this was published, this article was published in a website called dbhs.com where it was mentioned a mother by name Alexandria, a 22 year old mother from Florida violently shook her innocent infant child to death while playing a game of Formville. She got so absorbed, so involved in the game that the infant was in her hands and shook so violently that the infant died. In other words, you can be transported into an another world where you are not so much conscious of the real world. There is a term called WhatsApp-itis. It is a very funny thing. The term talks about, this is a newly coined term called WhatsApp-itis, which has recently become popular, meaning that incessant use of thumb to text and operate cellular phones can damage your thumb muscles, causing tenosonitis, which is a technical term, medical term. Constantly we are on the phones and it can numb the muscles, it can damage the muscles and there is a technical term to that and this medical condition has been named after WhatsApp. 
WhatsApp I test. Lot of people are on WhatsApp. Man dies from gaming induced blood clot. Playing video games up to 12 hours a day was a regular part of Chris's life. This is a real life example. Chris, a person, used to play for 12 hours a day. The cause of Chris's sudden death was a deep vein thrombiasis, a blood clot that occurs when sitting in one spot for prolonged periods of time. You're sitting in one spot and so absorbed in the game that you have completely become unconscious of your surroundings, so much so of your bodily needs. This blood clot happening because there is least movement in the body, sitting in one place for hours together and this has led to death of a person. There is another term which is a funny term which is called, just like I talked about whatsappitis, this is called selfitis, which is a person having a compulsive need, a genuine mental condition and people feels compelled to continually post pictures of themselves on the social media. It is a genuine mental disorder, says psychologist. We had gone on a trip and along with us there was a person, I could see that for every place we visited, for every small thing we did, there was a compulsive need to take a photograph and put it on Facebook. And invariably after posting, he would check how many people have liked it, how many people have commented it, how many people have you know, viewed it and that would give him a kick. This was an article uh, where Air Chief Marshal, Air Force Chief of the Indian Air Force, Mr. B.S. Dhanoya had said that pilots spend long hours on social media at night which is leading to sleep deprivation among them and sleep deprivation can be dangerous more so if, you, if the work involves a lot of attention like pilots. Air Chief Marshal Dhanoya added that a system should be developed which can tell if a pilot is sleep deprived. Imagine a person has not slept enough, has slept for 3 or 4 hours in the night and he is a pilot in a plane. He can doze off while the flight in the cockpit. And it can be fatal. We even had a fatal accident in 2013 because of this problem, he added. So it's a serious problem, people get hooked on, people spend inordinate amount of time even at the cost of losing their sleep, not getting enough sleep, not become conscious of their surroundings and not becoming conscious of how it is eating up so much of their valuable time. So these are some of the dangers which we talked about, if we are not cautious, if we are not careful, it can consume us. At a relationship level. How these apps, the social media platforms can even destroy relationships. We all live in a world where relationships play a very, very important role if we have to be happy. We have our near and dear ones, friend circles and good relationship is very important if we have to lead a happier lives. 
So it says that social media takes a toll on relationships. How? In a study published in Journal Psychology of Popular Media Culture, researchers found that 70% of women said that smartphone interfered with their relationships. We'll get into more details. How can social media interfere into relationships? They say that 70% of the women had techno interference, just like we have interference, interference of signals, interference of noise. So, techno interference where technology interferes in your life, in your relationships. 62% of women said that technology interfered with their leisure time and the time which they spent with their partners. We have seen people even when they are in a restaurant, each one, although they have gone together, but each one is on their phone catching up with their posts and, uh, and checking their profile, checking their uh, whatever social media platform they are on. Next. How does it sow the relationship, spoils the relationship? It creates resentment, which can easily build if one partner spends too much time, the other person can feel ignored. The other person is not giving enough time, quality time. He is busy with his own phone, spending inordinate amount of time, ultimately even leading to a breakup. And over and above that, there is a lot of productivity loss. This is, for many, it's a reflex as unconscious as breathing, just like we breathe unconsciously. Likewise, whenever we hit a stumbling block during some important task, let's say we are thinking about something or we are doing some project, we hit some stumbling block or we need a small mini break or we are writing something which is quite taxing. The hand reaches for the phone and opens a social media network of our choice. It could be Facebook, it could be Instagram, it could be something else. A blur of time passes and half an hour or more of what ought to have been a productive time is gone. We all experience this, just we want to check and we get pulled into it and by the time we realize 15 minutes, 20 minutes of our prime time has been eaten away. A feeling of regret is quickly displaced by the urge to see what has happened on the Twitter in the past 15 seconds. So if we are not conscious lot of time can get wasted, we can get pulled into it, we can get distracted. The amount of time we spend on actual productive work could be very, very less because time and again, just like it says, breathing is, is we do it unconsciously, likewise unconsciously we may get distracted by these platforms which pulls our attention. At a personal level, it leads to even diseases. Digital distraction leads to obesity and cardiovascular diseases. Several scientific studies have shown that people whose attention is distracted while they are eating their food can eat more than what they require. 
It's a fact when people are busy with their phones and while they're eating or while they're watching the television, they're not conscious of the body signals and may, lead, may eat more and may lead to obesity and related health issues. It leads to depression. Many internet users distort the truth on the internet. Everyone is posting all the good things which is happening to them in their lives. Approximately 75% of them presenting only the good in their life. Upon comparing with their peers, what is being posted online with their reality, many can get depressed because invariably people compare. When they see someone is enjoying life and someone is, you know, has gone to a particular place, there could be envy, there could be jealousy, there could be a feeling of depression, feeling of that I am not good enough. Why am I not enjoying like him? Why am I left behind? All kinds of thoughts can crop up in the mind. Insufficient and poor quality sleep. Researchers have concluded that social media users sleep less and their sleep is not as thick and restful as non-users. Because throughout the day we have been distracted, time and again we have been pulled, our attention has been scattered and the mind is agitated and more so if we have used these platforms, spent time before going to bed, it can even interfere with the quality of sleep we get while we are on the bed. Nicholas Karg, author of The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brain, wrote, the net is designed to be an interruption system. It's designed like that. A machine geared for dividing our attention. I was watching a video of X founder, co-founder of Facebook. He was sharing that when it was originally designed, it was designed that how when people get a like or someone comments positively, there is a feel-good factor, a release of a hormone called dopamine and which enthuses, inspires a person to post many more such images, many more such pictures, many more such posts and crave for those likes, crave for those views, a feel-good factor, the release of a hormone called dopamine and in the process a person gets hooked on to that platform, get addicted to the platform. I'll share with you how this habit loop functions. Whenever there is a trigger or a cue and if we act and as a result of that action which we may call as a ritual, if we experience some kind of a reward or a good feeling or a pleasant feeling, then naturally there is a craving set up in our system for that reward, for that good feeling. Just like to give an example, a person may innocently smoke just as a he is in a party and friends have you know been telling him no no why don't you take, why don't you try for one time. He may 
innocently try it out for the one time but then first time when it takes the ritual the action of smoking the cigarette and the reward which he gets although initially yes it can be a very big kick and it may not be actually a reward but the reward in terms of the kick the high some bit of relaxation some bit of you know dealing with that stress which has built up in the system that caffeine or nicotine whatever that intoxicant is there can be like a reward and soon a habit loop sets in where unconsciously we start craving for that cue in that case a cigarette that's how that's true with all the addictions all the intoxicants be it nicotine caffeine cigarettes alcohol gambling we start off innocently and then we get some kind of a reward which could be in term of relief a feel good factor and then our body starts craving it and a time comes when we are actually wanting that thing to happen we cannot live without it just like in this case many people cannot live without being on social media platform facebook i was recently traveling uh, from jaipur to mumbai and i had to go through kota so i was going through a train and uh, night in the compartment i saw there was another person next to the same uh, bogey same uh, thing and uh, three or four times in the night i saw the person got up checked his phone and i could see it was some kind of facebook and checked the phone browsed it and then slept off i was wondering how much a person is addicted to even in night time a person is getting up three or four times and checking his this thing and again going off to sleep i could see literally with my own eyes i that particular night i got up early I, i wanted to chant because instead of wasting time i couldn't sleep so i got up around 2:30 3 o'clock and i saw in front of me two three times a person woke up checked his uh, posts and then again went to sleep so definitely it's some kind of an addiction a person cannot live without it there's an urge from within to check around 97% of college students use their phone during class for non educational purposes according to a study published last month in journal of media education it takes your brain 15 to 25 minutes to get back to where it was after stopping to check an email so the problem with distraction is we get distracted we want to just check something a check a message some notification and then it's very difficult to come back and be attentive and focus on the task which we were before getting distracted the result is reduced productivity and engagement this is a problem world over that's how many people have you know blocked uh, usage of facebook or instagram or some social media platforms while the working hours in their office premises they have tried different initiatives like that but people have figured out ways and means to check their 
uh, posts, check their feeds and things like that. So now the fundamental question is, is social media for many people an addiction? So before we get into this discussion, we will have some kirtans. Uh, let us participate in these kirtans enthusiastically, get charged up spiritually. And now we are going to talk about what we can do about it. Yes, we know that there are merits, there are demerits. It can be dangerous. How we can make the best use of these tools without getting hooked, without getting addicted to it, we'll talk about it after the kirtans.
So, quick recap of what we discussed so far. We talked about how technology, the social media platforms can be of great use if used judiciously and if we are not careful, they can consume us, they can consume our time, they can consume our lives and we gave examples how it can be dangerous. We have examples of WhatsApp itis, we have selfitis, we have pilots who have can lead to dangerous accidents if they are sleep deprived because they have not slept enough previous night because they were quite engaged with social media. At relationship level, it can lead to resentment. People are busy in their own world and hence do not spend time with each other, with their partners. And in companies, social media, if not properly used, can lead to productivity loss. And at a personal level, at a health level, it can lead to binge eating where a person is so busy the social media that he is not getting a heed to the body signals that he has eaten enough. He can overeat and can lead to a lot of health related challenges, can lead to depression, can lead to poor quality sleep. Now the question to be asked, is social media some kind of an addiction? Just like tea, coffee, anything with caffeine, nicotine or intoxicants in course of time can be addictive. People can't live without it. They hanker for it. So is social media some kind of an addiction? This reminds me of a quote of Albert Einstein who said that I fear the day the technology will surpass our human interaction. This is Einstein saying, the world will have a generation of idiots. One study of Android users, now are we moving in that direction? You will be surprised, this is one study done by a company for Android users found that people tapped, swiped and clicked their smartphones. I repeat, people tapped, clicked and swiped their smartphones 2,617 times a day. 24 hours, it's about, okay, 6-7 hours, you're lying in the bed, you're sleeping. It's almost 200 times in an hour. Isn't it a kind of an addiction? 200 times clicking or tapping or swiping in one hour. When a smartphone vibrates with a new notification, the brain starts anticipating the momentary happiness that opening WhatsApp, Facebook provides. These tools are designed that you see something, it releases a feel-good factor, some new post, some new information. 
some latest news we get pulled by that and if we have made some post we are curious to know how it is doing how many likes how many comments how many people have viewed it so we get pulled into it and the brain starts anticipating that feel good factor the dopamine this is how it was originally designed and to a large extent it is serving that purpose so as a result unknowingly unintentionally we all are if we are not very careful getting hooked on getting addicted just like people may start consuming tea one cup two cup a day but slowly the body starts craving you start getting headache unless you have it people can't get out of the bed unless they've had a cup of tea or coffee so it's it's an intoxicant it's an addiction there was once a sage who was meditating in the forest and he was living in a very simple hut and one day a king not a king sorry a hunter came to that place and said i am going to the nearby river to take my bath i am keeping this bow and arrow with you please this is my request to you please keep it very very careful because if i am in the river taking a bath quite possible somebody can come and steal it or somebody can come and take it so i am leaving it in your custody keep an eye on it i know you are busy with your meditation but i request you to personally take care keep an eye on this bow and arrow i will soon return after completing my taking my bath initially the sage was reluctant but because the hunter requested him many many times after all it's a question of few hours he reluctantly agreed and while the sage was meditating he kept his eyes half opened he also kept an eye because this is what he was requested was practically pleading that personally keep an eye keep a check he kept his eye once in a while open and you know check whether the bow and arrow was safe some hours passed by and now the sage started wondering why the person the hunter has not returned back after having completed his bath and in his eagerness to find out where the hunter is so that he can go and return that bow and arrow to him he went in the direction of the river in search of that hunter and he couldn't find the hunter and this was sandhya vandana time he himself had to take a bath so he wanted to go to the river inside the river but then he cannot leave the bow and arrow because he was requested by the hunter to take care because all kinds of animals are there and someone can steal that bow and arrow so he actually went into the river with the bow and arrow in his hand and while he was taking the dip while he was he was having his hand upraised raised with the bow and arrow in his hand taking his bath after completing his bath he came out and 
still he couldn't find the hunter he became little curious what is this bow and arrow all about what is this prized possession which the hunter is so so attached to that he practically pleaded please take care of it so he started little bit fiddling with that bow and arrow he actually pulled that string and while he released it there was some kind of a sound made he became little more curious then he put one of the arrows and he tried stretching it and released it and he was amazed that arrow actually traveled considerable distance before falling to the ground and since the arrow had the sharp edges he again tried few times and this time he thought why not aim at some object at a distance and try it out after all there is no harm so he tried with a small little cute flower at a distance he aimed at that and pulled the arrow and you know tried hitting that flower and he could do it he became quite involved in this exercise he became interested with this bow and arrow and then he started aiming at some of the fruits which were dangling from the tree some of the fruits which were out of his reach up in the tree ripened fruits so he started shooting arrows trying to hit those fruits and get them down so he could hit few arrows and he could get those fruits so he became even more involved in that exercise and then he saw at a distance there was some animals some deer some rabbits so he thought why not try it out why not try instead of hitting a static object like a flower or a fruit which is just stationary why not try hitting an object which is actually moving which is far more difficult so then he started aiming at some birds some rabbits and he won't believe soon what started off as an innocent curiosity finally he started hunting and shooting those animals and birds and he himself became a hunter imagine a sage who was meditating became curious with the bow and arrow and started off innocently just by you know trying to hit those arrows at some static objects some flower or a fruit and eventually started killing animals and this happened very at a very very unconscious level it was not a premeditated effort that yes he should shoot down those animals and become a hunter after all he was a sage it is said that you know if you take a frog and you put him in a beaker and put that beaker on top of a flame or a stove and you start heating that water 10 degree 15 degree 20 degree 25 degree the frog will start becoming uncomfortable as the water gets heated up but it starts somehow adjusting to the new environment the changes in the environment that's how we all adapt to the changes so it's adapting somehow adapting it's becoming even warmer and it's adapting adapting 60 degrees 65 degrees somehow although it's feeling very groggy very uneasy somehow adapting to that environment a time came when the water becomes close to 80 to 90 degree 
it becomes intolerable for him to adapt and finally he dies in that vehicle. This was actually an experiment done. If you take a beaker with water about 80 degree, 85 degree and try putting a frog from the top, the frog will immediately jump out because it can sense that it is too hot a water for it to be in. It will immediately jump out. Whereas if the changes happen incrementally, it is very difficult for a conscious mind to recognize it. The, the reason why I am sharing this is many times we are very, very unintentionally, unknowingly getting hooked on, getting addicted, getting pulled by these platforms and we may not be even conscious of it. If we ask ourselves, are we addicted? Many of us will say, no, we are not. We just use it once in a while. It depends how much time. Like for example, I said a study was done which says a person on an average, an Android user is clicking, tapping, swiping his phone 2,617 times a day in 24 hours. How many times we catch that smartphone and then we start browsing and start clicking and start going to some platform, start checking the feed, start checking the notification and how much time we end up spending on those platforms. So definitely it's a matter of concern. Now having talked about the dangers with some real life examples, also talked about how it can be addictive. If we are not careful, it can consume us, it can consume our time. What is the solution? What can we do about it? Should we just completely block it and stay away from it? We don't have to, just like many times people say that, you know, I'm fed up with this materialistic world, let me just go to the forest. That's not the solution. We cannot just go to the forest. We just cannot in this particular world stay away from internet, stay away from these social media platform. It has become a necessity. Many of the transaction, banking transaction, many of the transactions or some of the things which we may have, essential goods we may have to buy, has to happen through our smartphones, through some of those applications. So the only solution we have is we have to be very judicious in use of these platforms. Now how to be judicious? Bhagavad Gita gives us a clue. Just like the senses, senses mind if it is controlled is a best friend. The same senses, the same mind if it is uncontrolled can even kill a yogi. Should we just pluck out our eyes? disband all our senses, not utilize them all up because it can actually kill a yogi? The answer is no. Atyahara Prayascha, Krishna says one who is regulated in his eating, sleeping, recreation and work can mitigate all material pains arising from material contact. Krishna also says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vishaya Vinivartante Nirahara Dehina. 
for a conditioned soul to give up sense objects, to stay away from sense objects, niraharas, it's very painful, it's very difficult, it's very troublesome. Dehina, for a person who is too attached, who is in the bodily concept, who is very materialistic, it is very difficult. But Krishna gives us a very practical solution. Raso varjam rasopi asya param drishtva nivartate. But if one experiences a higher taste, automatically the taste for lower things pale off. Just like as children, we are very attached to the toy cars. But when we grow up, we are no longer attached to those toy cars. We get attached to real cars. Likewise, these all platforms definitely gives some kind of pleasing sensations. That's how people get hooked. Why are people getting hooked on to tea, coffee? There's some kind of relief, some kind of stress relief, some kind of pleasure in these substances. Although it could be disastrous in the long term, although it could be addictive, it may not really solve the inherent need a person has, but at least stopgap, temporary relief a person can get. Or rather, because he gets those temporary relief, he gets pulled towards those objects. So Krishna is saying, one man experiences a higher taste, automatically taste for lower things will pale off. Just like a person who is working in a particular company, maybe he is working in night shift, you tell him that, you know, you give up this job because it's not good for your health, working late in the night. Person will not give up because that's his only mode of survival. He is getting his paycheck and that's how he is, uh, you know, meeting his ends. But if a person is given a better job, a much higher salary, definitely a person will not mind leaving that job. So likewise, Gita is giving us a process, a path to follow, whereby we will experience a higher taste, much higher taste, much higher pleasure, where we will not fall for these pleasures in this material world. Yes, whatever is required for our daily service, for our work, we will dabble in it. But our main source of pleasure is not these gadgets, these tools, these applications, these platforms. We have our intrinsic pleasure, intrinsic happiness which we are experiencing, intrinsic joy which is keeping us away from these objects and only dealing with them as much as is required. Now I will just share with you, you know, because there is a problem all over the world and people are trying different ways to address this problem. So a lot of studies have been done on people who have tried different things to address the addictions, social media addictions which I have talked about earlier. So a lot of people have tried meditation, different kind of stress busters, different kinds of uh, relaxation techniques. So I will share some of the statistics 
which is quite revealing, quite interesting. A study in, published in American Journal of Drug and Alcohol Abuse looked at 1,221 patients going through an inpatient substance abuse program. It could be some kind of an intoxicant. The participants were given EEG biofeedback training which puts the brainwave pattern of the user into a much more advanced state of consciousness. So we will not get into technical details, mota mota what I am trying to conclude I will I'll share with you and then we will get what is the recommendation which our sastras are giving. Incredibly at one year, after one year of follow up, 77% of patients were completely drug free. In other words, this study, the patients who were made to go through a meditation program, 77% of the people were completely drug free, substance abuse, free from substance abuse. Because through that meditation, they experience some kind of intrinsic pleasure, intrinsic happiness, intrinsic joy. In another study published in Molecular Psychiatry, researchers postulated how important it was to find a healthy and natural dopamine releasing activity to effectively counter addictive behavior. Ultimately, we all are pleasure seeking beings. Why are we going behind all these addictions? Because there is a release of pleasure chemicals, dopamine, there could be many other kind of chemicals. But if there is a natural release of those chemicals, natural release, there were great sages who were completely in bliss, experiencing joy, anandam, buddhi, vardhanam, pratipadam, every moment, every step in their life, ever increasing joy. They were not taking intoxicants, they were not taking some kind of uh, uh, substances. So if a person find a natural and a healthy dopamine releasing activity to effectively counter addictive behavior a person will not fall for these things. After all we are looking for pleasure, we are looking for happiness, we are looking for joy. If a person is hungry, has not eaten, he will eat any damn thing. He will eat an, even a rotten food, a rotten chapati he will eat because he is hungry, he is dying of hunger. There were two brothers, you know, when there was an earthquake in China, the building collapsed. After six days, you know, they were trying to remove all the debris and see if there is someone. After six days, they retrieved these two brothers who were completely, uh, you know, submerged in the debris of that building. And after six, they quite surprised they were alive. And when they were interviewed, how could one live for six days without eating, without having water to drink? You will be surprised. The brother shared because there was nothing to eat, there was nothing to drink. They actually drank each other's urine. Very surprising. Necessity is the mother of invention. There is nothing to drink. A person will quench his thirst even drinking a urine. For us, it is obnoxious. We'll make a smell. We'll hold our nose like this. But 
when a person has nothing to drink he will drink even that so here it is said that when a person is starving for pleasure there is no intrinsic inherent natural pleasure within a person will fall for temptations fall for all the temptations which maya has built around us and these platforms are offering that pleasure free pleasure at any time at the click of a button you can see whatever you want to see a landmark study at the john f kennedy institute found that dopamine levels of participants were boosted to a whooping 65% during meditation now there could be a material meditation which could be just you know silencing your mind or focusing on some some object or some point with this simple material meditation watching the breath you can see a sizable increase in natural release of dopamine forget about the authorized bona fide recommended meditation for this particular age of kali associating with none other than the lord himself who is said to be the reservoir of pleasure chaitanya mahaprabhu says anandam buddhi vardhanam pratipadam this hare krishna mahamantra or this name of god is so pleasure giving that every step the pleasure increases pratipadam purna and it completely satisfies satiates a person's desire or craving for happiness pratipadam purnamrita swadanam sarvatma sharanam sharanam and to such a person to such a supreme lord i surrender at his lotus feet so bhagavad gita krishna is inviting us to relish that nectar the joy that happiness which we all are hankering for and this is what all genuine spirituality is all about prabhupada has written so many books they can't be much more clear understanding of how to pursue genuine and real happiness so let us follow the footsteps follow the instructions which prabhupada has given in his books in his teachings in the bhagavad gita krishna has shared and for sure we will experience a higher joy and we can easily when we are experiencing that intrinsic happiness we will not easily fall for such lower happiness or such temptations so we'll take up some questions uh, we have about 14 minutes left this question is from virendra ekbote is social media devastating the so devastating the social life of a person is the person losing his focus on his real life by indulging in various social application apps yes the fact is as i mentioned on an average an android user is swiping tapping or clicking his smartphone 2617 times a day definitely a person is losing his focus and even bordering towards being addicted so it can be dangerous it is dangerous all what we have to do is be cautious be careful and also have access to higher taste higher pleasure so that we don't get easily tempted by the lower pleasures which maya is offering in this world this question is from ajay raj sharma social media overpowers us 
when we start associating our worth with the validations we get it through likes dislikes and at the same time we can't stop using it how can we manage this this is something similar to what i have shared just like the senses in this world we cannot live without indulging in some form we have to eat we have to keep our eyes open and transact with this world a lot depends on how how much we indulge how much we dabble with the sense object and how do we dabble with the sense object so if we lead a regulated lifestyle that's why krishna also says one who eats too much or eats too little sleeps too much does not sleep enough cannot be a yogi one who is regulated in his eating sleeping recreation and work can mitigate all material pains so likewise in our use of these apps also we have to be regulated like i give you example there was a time when i was getting little bit hooked on in the sense watching or trying to getting abreast with what's happening around the world checking the news 3 4 5 times a day and now <clears throat> whenever i watch i keep a small timer in that mobile itself set it for 7 minutes and two times in a day i just check just to keep myself abreast with what's happening in the world that's it there's a craving there's a desire that let me get familiar what's happening what happened to uh, did the bail get passed whatever the current affairs in the world but just curb that curiosity by regulating even the time we spend we can keep some time in the morning in the evening when we check our feeds or some platforms people have done there are many apps to monitor our usage and uh, many apps which we can block it and enable it only during certain times so we can use that where there is a will there is a way first we should realize that we have a problem and then definitely if we are sincere we will get some solution we'll get some insight there are a lot of people facing this challenge and uh, in the youtube itself you'll find many applications many information which can help us regulate our usage is another question social media can be used for blogs articles regarding krishna consciousness so social media can be used for teaching purposes so do you think social media is good in this respect yes as i mentioned even the session what we are happening today technology can be a boon or a bane likewise social media also if used effectively can be very helpful in our preaching work also in reaching the message to many more people all we have to do is we have to be regulated we have to be judicious in our use the same example knife in the hand of a surgeon can save a life in the hand of a terrorist can even take a life social media platform without proper usage without being very cautious without experiencing that higher taste without regulating our senses and mind can be dangerous and if we very cautiously use it we can very effectively use in the service of the lord and that's how we see many devotees using it very effectively to reach this message to many more souls what do you feel about those people who use social media for business purposes they use social media for increasing their business purpose again 
these are all tools tools can be used for material purposes for spiritual purposes can be used properly can be used improperly can be used legally can be used illegally a lot of thing depends on how we use it how we exercise our free will how we exercise our regulation in using this platform that's why i'm saying the regulation is the key we uh, using it judiciously is the key and for that if we are cautious if we are careful if we recognize that yes it can pull us in it can take eat our productive time then there are many ways of regulating it this question is from dhriti samanta why we cannot overcome the addictions to serials even though it's good messages but it wastes a lot of time and i regret regret a lot again it boils down to the same thing why do we see anything which we see why do we hear whatever we are hearing be it on channels be it on various podcasts or be it on youtube be it on uh, spotify or whatever why are we doing what we are doing the answer is simple for happiness for pleasure because we don't have right now a source of higher pleasure we are getting pulled by any pleasure we are in fact like beggars just like beggars you know they are just begging and anyone puts anything because they are hungry because they have not eaten they'll eat it even dry crumbs of bread sometimes you have seen railway platforms people you know after having eaten you know half eaten thing they just give up and the people eat it because they are hungry so why are we falling prey to all this lower pleasures because we are pleasure seeking beings and we don't have a natural source of higher pleasure but if we sincerely chant our rounds we sincerely read bhagavad gita sincerely associate with the devotees to satsang we will experience raso varjam raso piyasya param drishtva nivartante we will experience higher taste and automatically our taste for lower things will fail off for example we don't watch any movies we don't go to malls we don't go to thing but i don't think we are missing anything there was a friend of mine who had come from singapore Uh, we studied together we were in the hostel together and he was little inquisitive and was asking how do i spend my day so i told him right from 4 4 o'clock in the morning till, till night what do we do whole day and he listened patiently and then he asked so uh, do you watch uh, movies do you go to is it allowed you know he was little curious and you know he really couldn't fathom you know after all i am in this dress a devotee and it was quite alien to him so he says so, so you can't watch movies or oh, you don't have television you you don't watch serials so at one time i could see he was feeling you know okay then the life is quite bland you don't have serials to watch you don't have movies you don't socialize you don't go around and you know you can't go to malls you don't go to pubs you don't drink you don't smoke you don't uh, you know so so according to him he felt i could make out that life is quite 
blind. But unlike that, frankly speaking, by the mercy of Prabhupada and Krishna, our life is quite rich. Devotees start the day singing and dancing. There was one devotee who had gone to the US to make some uh, uh, some show for a temple in Bangalore. And uh, while they were interacting with some of those uh, producers there in the US, so they asked, how does your day begin? And then he told, okay, we start the day quite early and the first all the devotees take a bath early morning and then they assemble in the temple hall and start day with prayers, and we sing and we dance. So when this person listened, he was quite amused, okay, start the day with singing and dancing. And then when he was telling, introducing this devotee to another colleague of him, he says, here is an interesting person who starts the day, who gets up early in the morning and starts singing and dancing, which is actually a fact. Our day starts, you know, with, with nice melodious songs, bhajans, and we sing and we dance, and then we chant the names of the Lord, the Lord who is who is reservoir of all pleasure we associate with such Lord for two hours. And then we have beautifully decorated Lord, we have Darshanarti, we have Darshan of the Lord, then we have Guru Puja, we, we offer, we take the Charnamrit, the Lord's, uh, we, we smell the flowers which have been offered to the Lord, and then we relish nice, freshly cooked, nice, beautiful, nice, relishable, delicious prasadam which has been offered to the Lord, the remnants of the food. So the life is quite rich. There is definitely a pleasure which many people are not able to understand. And when you have a life where you are relishing such pleasures, definitely you will not fall for lower pleasures. Although conditioning, because of conditioning at times there may be lapses, there may be temptations which are quite uh, difficult to control, but otherwise uh, we are blessed. So the best part is such pleasures, it is not only a prerogative of a temple devotee who is practicing full time. Even grahasthas, people who are living in this thing can start chanting, can start reading Bhagavad Gita, can start associating, hearing Bhagavatam and experience that joy. Prabhupada told that just like a jaundiced person, if you give him a sugar candy, initially it will taste very bitter. Although the sugar candy is intrinsically sweet. So likewise, initially when we start chanting, there may be a phase where we may not find it relishable. But the fact is, Anandam Budi Vardhanam Pratipadam. The fact is, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is none other than Krishna himself. He is saying that this is such pleasure which is increasing at every step. Unlike material pleasure which follows the law of diminishing returns, you eat one rasgulla, two rasgulla, five rasgulla, ten rasgulla, a time will come, you'll say, bus, I don't want anymore. Whereas in this case, you chant more, you relish more and you have a desire to chant even more. And that's how many great devotees chant 64 rounds. They chant, Haridas Thakur was chanting for 18 hours a day. This question is from Jyoti Takne. Mind always needs comfort. Why does it do so? Please share your wisdom on this. Mind always needs comfort because Krishna also says mind if it is uncontrolled, untamed, unchecked, it is a worst enemy. 
when we sleep in the night we keep an alarm i will get up at let's say 5 in the morning we the soul there's another part of us which decides that i will get up but the mind cheats us in the morning sleep for another 10 minutes and we press the snooze button so there is a battle between us the soul and the mind and that's why krishna says mind if it is controlled is a best friend the same mind if it is uncontrolled is a worst enemy so right now the mind is untamed and hence it's our enemy the whole process of spirituality is to tame the mind to tame the senses and for this acharyas have given many instructions this question is from ayush do ram and other incarnations other than krishna coming from shirodaksha vishnu or are they coming from vaikuntha planets directly uh, i will not be able to answer this question properly because of paucity of time ultimately all the incarnations whether it is swamsha incarnations or vibhinamsha incarnations whether it's a living entity whether it's devatas whether it is vishnu tatvas like narayana rama all are ultimately coming from the supreme personality of godhead adi purusha krishna himself aham sarvasya prabhavo matta sarvam pravartate krishna says in the bhagavad gita i am the source of everything everything is emanating from me aham adirhi devanam all the devi devatas what we see all the de- demigods the controllers of this different aspects of the universe aham adir i am the source of all the devatas aham sarvasya prabhavo everything is emanating from me so this should be our understanding that's why krishna says sarva dharman parityaj you have made lot of dharmas lot of understanding of what i should be doing in life krishna says sarva dharman parityaj give up mam ekam sharanam you just surrender to me ekam aham tvam there may be doubts what if there could be some inherent fears ma sucha do not fear krishna is reinforcing that please surrender mam ekam sharanam raja so with that conviction we follow the teachings of bhagavad gita the instructions of the lord instructions of our previous acharyas instruction of shila prabhupad and if we follow this process we will experience a higher taste a higher joy intrinsic joy which is deep within us which is dormant in our heart the love of lord and then definitely we will not fall for any lower pleasures be it form of intoxicants be it in form of social media addictions and we can be like a lotus growing in a pond there could be dirt all around us but it will remain untouched by such dirt thank you very much for joining us uh, sorry for the interruption and sorry for uh, technical uh, glitches which we had in today's session look forward to having you again next sunday same time hare krishna